0: Well, welcome everyone to the Aging Fearlessly podcast and this week's edition on how to gain well-being clarity through COVID. And I have been looking forward to bringing my next guest to the podcast, Barry Nicolau. He is very knowledgeable when it comes to helping people gain clarity in uncertain times. And every one of us is having to make adjustments in our lives during the pandemic, these are very uncertain times. So, Barry, welcome to the Aging Fearlessly podcast, and thanks for sharing this time with us.
1: Thank you for having me, Karen. It's lovely to be here.
0: It's um so good to have you back on. I mean, we've spoken a couple of times now. We've done two podcasts together, and you <laughs> were recently a victim, I'm sorry, a storyteller on my uh, story room, <laughs> Oz, and you did a brilliant job at that. Barry, tell us a little bit about you.
1: I started in the shoe industry probably close to 20 years ago. I've discovered myself as a very service-oriented person. I love helping people and being of service. Um, I believe that there's a lot of good in that, in the world, and there's, there's a lot of that missing. So uh, you kind of tune into what you love. So I started in footwear. uh I did that for close to 15 years, And then I had an epiphany in 2015, Uh, wrote a book. And the book ended up being not about shoes, (laughs) ended up being 11 areas that I had researched that people have struggled with um, regarding the success and the fulfillment part of their lives, in particular fulfillment. You can earn money doing 100 different things, but if you look at fulfillment, very, very few people end up having that. And I kind of questioned that. So I found 11 areas that intersected success and fulfillment. From that, the book hit number one in six countries. Um, That's led to -to one-to-one coaching sessions. um, And that's grown to helping corporations now um, becoming a little bit more aligned in the mental health space and well-being space, especially for staff that are working from home and staff that are going through a lot of uh, silent struggles in their life.
0: The book led to many other areas. Tell us about some of the areas oh, that the book has taken. Absolutely.
1: So podcasts has been one area. One-to-one coaching has been another area. It's interesting when you do write a book, it almost ends up being a business card. for You, you want to know about Barry, you read his book. And my life story is in that book. A lot of vulnerable moments for me are in that book getting fired from my dad's business is one of them, you know, like uh, I don't advocate working for family, by the way, (laughs) those that can do it. I I take my hat off to you, but a lot of people, and I'm one of them,
0: uh, it ends
1: up being oil and water. You keep them separate. From the book itself, speaking on stages in Australia, hopefully internationally as the COVID restrictions ease in the next couple of years and just really spreading the message of understanding that we are our own masters. And teaching self reliance is something that I found really has helped me in my personal life and understanding that we have the tools to we have the tools to make any life without we choose it's whether we we sit down or whether we stand up and go right what what's my next right move and for me i've been on a lot of down moments a lot of times in my life, Karen where where I've been looking down the barrel of depression, looking down the barrel of what now, and the things that have got me up um, is, you know, talking to people like yourself, writing about it, understanding uh, how people manifest a life that they're truly proud of and looking at the mechanics of that, the tools of that. And it's really important. And that's taken me down a rabbit hole of um, how thoughts become things, and how down to the subatomic level that everything ends up be, being energy. And I think Einstein once said it, you know, nothing happens until something moves. Everything in the universe is energy. It, you, someone walks into a room and you say, that person's got great energy. I mean, what are you referring to? How do you know that? Yeah. So there is this there is this aura, there is this, there is this mental state that we can't really see that precedes you that walks into a room before you and all of a sudden people feel this energy i mean what are we referring to when we speak about this energy so for me i realized that then energy is the currency of the 21st century you know it is not money it is not time it is how you spend your energy and when i came into that realization you start to get very specific about how you spend that energy because that energy is your life force
0: You mentioned down moments. When people cruise along in their lives, they just bubble along. And until something pops up that you're not aligned with or a feeling or an anxious moment, um, some sort of mental health issues, you don't really start to question the path you're on. Do you feel I'm correct in saying that?
1: Listen, I do and I don't. Um, I think a lot of people don't outwardly question, but I do believe they inwardly question. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: They might not make their questions known to their family and friends, or they might go and put a Netflix movie on and drown out the questions that they can't immediately find answers to. Mm -hmm. But I do believe that a natural part of our human conditioning is to question the world around us to question whether we're with the right partner to question whether we're in the right job to want to make an impact for some of us for the other other parts of us i think there are people that question whether they're on the right path whether they have found their purpose whether they have a purpose um, who can i align with that that can bring out the best in me i think there's a lot of questions being asked internally but they get drowned out by routine and monotony. Like they're they're doing the same thing every day. Those questions for a lot of people get silenced uh, with some sort of uh, aphrodisiac, some sort of uh, mental stimulation that drowns out that question. That doesn't mean the question's not there. It just means that we've chosen that it's in the too hard basket for right now. And for those of us that do amazing things like you're doing, Karen, and my friend Sam McCool and other people that are doing some incredible things, it's because they've made a decision that ultimately leads them to a greater understanding of why they're here.
2: Mm.
1: And and that question has led them to answers. But um, I'm a great believer that if you don't ask the question, you don't really want the answer. Mm. True.
0: So COVID hit. Yeah, what yeah. happened
1: for you? I know what happened for me. <laughs> what happened to oh.
0: you?
1: <laughs> upside down. Everything turned upside down. But we I'm live on here. the
0: bottom of the world, anyway. We're already upside we t-
1: down. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not as far south as New Zealand, so I, I, I will agree with you there partially. But, but yeah, my world turned upside down. Um, we were in a situation financially before COVID, where things were okay. Uh, COVID hit. Uh, industries like the shoe industry that I was in, uh, I supplied independent shoe stores and what was happening is the people that I buy shoes from, the big brand names were going direct, so ah. why do you need a middleman for? Why do you need a representative for sort of thing and a lot of the showings for these shoe shops were done online, so again it it, it negates the need for a middleman or an agent or a rep to be on the road so I saw that just before COVID hit and the realization of those stores being closed with COVID really hit home. So then I got back to basics. I had my book sitting on the shelf and I'm like, I'm going to read my own book. I'm going to, I'm going to, and I, I actually discovered new things that I had written that I had forgotten about. And I thought, you know what? I got excited again. It really it kind of put a, a Bunsen burner under my butt. <laughs> and I, got, I got really energized and I thought, what was I doing? How do I help people? And what do I love? And then in the background, my wife, who is a lawyer, um, was working hours that were just untenable, like hours that were just ridiculous. And Lana has a big heart. So she puts, in the, she puts in the work that's needed. But it doesn't lead to a good mental health outcome because there is so much work on for her that I started to see a pattern. And a lot of industries have flourished from COVID, right? There's not just been industries that have just kind of suffered. There's a lot of industries that have flourished. The legal industry has had a sugar hit from mm. COVID and, and Lina's in that realm. So, you know, like today we're recording this, it's Sunday, Lina's already put three hours worth of work in mm. to her work and that work that she knows that, will need to be done tomorrow on Monday. So, and all of a sudden, Saturday night, another two or, two or three hours. And it's like, well, Barry, the work's there. I've got to do it. People mm. are relying on me. But you get to a level where you think, well, hang on. Like, they're paying you to work four days a week, five days a week. Um, surely there's got to be downtime for you. So Lana and I were, and still are, kind of wrestling with this, you know, what's an acceptable amount of, of time where you can be, be you. You know what I mean? And rest and relax and recharge. Mm. So that kind of opened up this massive black hole for me. And you think, how many lawyers are there out there that are going through this type of hell? Um, Mm. And then you do the research and then you understand that lawyers are the second most stressed profession in Australia. The number one stressed profession in Australia, people that are the most stressed are surgeons. They're performing brain surgery on people. you can imagine right it's do or die yes. literally do or die. So, but for them, lawyers, you make a mistake, you get sued. you know it's not, it's not a simple black and white you make a mistake, you move on from it, you put it down to experience. For them, it's something that has huge ramifications. So com- combine that with the workload that's involved. it becomes very um, it affects your resilience, it affects your mental health and it affects your overall well-being. So for me, I've started to understand that there needs to be programs in place. And I've done a lot of research, Karen, on um, how law firms um, uh, tackle the mental health problem challenge with their staff. Some law firms are taking a very uh, token gesture approach. Let's just have a system in place and, and get on with their work. Some other law firms are kind of, I'm calling them the emergence of conscious corporations. There are conscious corporations that are now emerging from COVID that are actually saying, we have a responsibility to our people. It's not just about them being batteries to supply us with profit. So mm-hmm. it's about them understand that we have a sense of responsibility for them. So those law firms I'm working with, and I've got um, tenders out to, to, to talk to them and about, These are the areas that we offer and I offer. And one of these new areas is so cool, Uh, if I can mention it here. I've pioneered a a snapshot tool for a law firm, which basically gives them a percentage rating on the mental health of their whole firm. So it's really cool. So you might have, we're going to have a website eventually, hopefully in the next few months, which will have all these law firms down this spreadsheet and you'll see which law firms have a mental health rating and which ones don't, or which ones have a higher one and which ones have a, have a lower mental health rating. So it ends up, if you're, if you're a lawyer and you're looking for a firm to work at, well, you can take a look at this rating and you can have go, well, hang on, this firm has a 65% mental health rating. This, this firm has a 33% mental health rating. We're hoping to take it out of law firms as well and to look at conscious corporations as well. But right now, the interest has been in law firms. So I'm going to where it's at right now. So has COVID had an impact on us? Absolutely. It's forced me to gain clarity Mm. on who I am, what I want to do, and how do I make the next right move in that area. And for people listening to this, you can either look at COVID as this big, ugly, disaster beast that's pushed its way into your home, or you can look at it and you can say, I wonder what moves I can now make because I've had a breather. I wonder what I can do right now. And that's the key. That's the key that i found. Just look at the next right move. Don't try and look at 10 moves down the track and how is this going to happen and how am I going to make this salary barrier barrier barrier? You know, I can't work at midnight or 11 o'clock at night. I've got sleep to have or whatever, whatever these limitations are in your head. If you've got purpose, if you've got something to do, do it. And especially if it's for the benefit of people out there that are yearning for that information or that are starving for that knowledge, it's your responsibility to make sure that you give it to them. Well, for me, it is anyway. So it ends up giving you purpose. It ends up giving you clarity.
0: So, Barry, it's really interesting, the research you've done. The whole world, things have been so tough this last 18 months for everybody. Hmm. We're Mm -hmm. fortunate in Australia We've had good systems to stop COVID really infiltrating the community and to stop enormous amount of deaths. However, mm. it's still really tough. For many people, though, their anxiety levels have absolutely um, mm. soared. Skyrocketed, yes, yeah. absolutely. Can you share um, some wisdom about anxiety?
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I'm uh, really happy you touched on that, Karen, as well. So let's first of all let's define what anxiety is right anxiety is chronic stress that hasn't gone managed that hasn't been managed at all so chronic stress the definition of that is long term stress that hasn't been managed so anxiety is a result of having that stress prolonged in your life to a point where it affects your day to day activities mm mm-hmm. That is the definition of anxiety. It, it keeps going. The stress keeps going. And usually it's not from the person not wanting to do anything about it. It's not knowing what to do about it. Mm-hmm. And again, kind of coming back to the law example, a lot of lawyers self-medicate with alcohol. That's, that's, that's their coping mechanism. Have a drink at night. The more expensive the whiskey, the better. It ends up being a coping mechanism for you. And a drink now and then is fine if it ends up being every day, every day, every day, and the consumption actually increases, then you've got to ask questions if that's a long-term coping mechanism or if that's going to go down a really dark path eventually. So for me, anxiety is something that people are looking for. How do I help myself with anxiety?
0: And and I Um, I want to add here that stress and anxiety are two very different things. People, mm. they're stressed. Yeah, they might be stressed. But anxiety has so many other symptoms to it, and I know this for a fact. How do we have a conversation with someone? If I, if you saw me and you thought mm. that I was suffering from anxiety, mm. what, what sort of conversation, how would you strike up a
1: conversation? Well, listen, for me it's quite specific. Um, I've got a, a dozen people a month that I help. Uh, coaching. I've got a, a system that I use personally and I'll tell you what it is here, Karen, um, because I think it's going to help a lot of people as well. So for me, if you can think about these five areas uh, on how to begin having those conversations, okay? The first thing is is to ask them how things are or what's happening with the intention to break through what I call the fine barrier you know, the fine barrier, how, how are things going? Fine. Uh, how, how how are you going with COVID? Have you had your vaccine yet? I'm fine. Everything's fine. Uh, you, you you feel like you'd like a chat? No, I'm fine. I'm fine. And for me, whenever I hear that F word, (laughs) I know that there's stuff under that. Um, and I just end up listening to the conversation that comes after fine, because the person wants to talk, but they're not sure if A, they they want to delve that deep and B, whether you're the right person to do that with. So for me, it ends up being something that I just go, okay, that's interesting. So I go and I talk about a moment in my life that I've been quite vulnerable about and that enables them to get past fine. So that's my first step. If if they're at the fine scenario, just turn around and say, that's interesting. This is what's happened in my life. And going first usually is a great catalyst. Mm-hmm. The second area that I kind of, once they start opening up and they start getting really deep and personal and meaningful to them, I usually don't offer solutions. I'm not at the stage in that conversation where I'm even qualified to offer any solutions. I'm just happy I've broken through the fine barrier mm-hmm. right? over the moon. That's an achievement. Um, so that's so the second area is don't preempt and don't think you're the wise sage at this time and offer solutions. to that person, the third area is I don't judge. And sometimes it's hard because you could think of people that are going through a worse time than them. And it might even be you, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So you kind of jump to judgment in your mind and you think to yourself, well, you know, your scenario is not as bad as X, Y, Z person. So I sit there and I just listen and I don't judge. Mm -hmm. The fourth area is I don't then speak before I'm asked a question. Yep. So when someone asks a question, they're eager for an answer, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're going to volunteer your experience and your wisdom and your knowingness on this particular subject or with their particular scenario, before the question is asked, I'm always faced, if it happens to me, I'm always faced with um, a rebuttal, mm. with you don't understand my situation, Barry. So I wait. Number four is wait for a question. And the question could come in the form of, so, Barry, what would you do in this scenario? Or do you think I'm silly thinking this way? Or my problems must be, sm- must be small in comparison to what you're going through. What do you mm-hmm. think? You know. So as soon as that question's asked, it gives me an opportunity And the conversation goes from there. So if there was a fifth area, um, it's more of a um, overall snapshot of what we've just talked about. It's just try and be a better listener than a talker. For me, I find that people have the solutions to their problems already, but they don't want to walk that road alone. They need someone to um, talk to about it. And if you're that shoulder, if you're that person, then it's an honour in a way but but just just be there as a listening be there as a as a sounding board and when they're ready because you've listened when they're ready they'll come to you and they'll ask the question and they'll say "Faz, thanks for listening to me the other day I've got this other issue what do you think and then all of a sudden you've got a back and forth relationship which which is symbiotic it's not just It's a teacher trying to teach the student that you know everything because a lot of teachers don't anyway. So you get to a scenario where you just, you just take a passive approach. For me, it ends up being a very passive approach. So if you need me to recap them, Karen, I can. But that five-step process for me ends up being a catalyst for getting that person to know it's okay, it's, it's okay to open up. It's okay to be vulnerable. And men struggle with this more than women because men have been taught inherently that they've got to be strong and they've got to, they've got to toughen up and they don't cry and they don't get emotional. And men, you know, especially in the last hundred years, you know, there's been this, this I'm sorry my, for my French, but there's been this bullshit approach to... Men don't cry or men don't have feelings and it's absolute crap. And you get all these men with bottled up emotion that don't know what to do with it. And they go and get a beer Mm. because the beer is going to fix everything. Do you know what I mean? Rather than having another bloke that they can go, listen, do you mind if I tell you about what's going on? I'll just appreciate your ear for a minute. And that other bloke probably has so much stuff going on in his life, that he's probably wanting to go after him and say, actually, since you're going through that, I'll go first. So it's just about having a guy and getting him to get vulnerable for 20 seconds. And if he can do that, I promise you the other person that he's with will also do the same. And then you've got a real heart to heart conversation that can move forward with, with structure and with heart based love and with an inspirational backbone of how do we get through this? And we can be that. Oh my God. I don't think psychiatrists or psychologists would have a job because we would be helping each other.
0: There is so much more awareness in the last five or six years about mental health for men. And there Hmm. are meetup groups and and walk and talk groups where blokes can get together. And the most blokey blokes often join these groups. I know of a few that they, they can just go and have a chat and just yep. doing something active and talking to other yeah, people absolutely. is, is absolutely. a really great way because a lot of men won't go and seek professional help and they see some of these meetups and walk and talk groups mm. as a a substitute to actually go and get some help. Uncovering your COVID clarity, do you want to talk a little bit about that? What's COVID clarity? How can we gain more, more clarity through COVID?
1: Well, this is actually flipped. COVID has given people clarity. You know, in 10, 15, 20 years' time, we'll be looking back at this period in history, and I reckon we'll see a spike in divorces. We'll see a spike in people changing jobs. We'll see a spike in people following their purpose, their bliss. We'll see a spike in people starting a business. We'll see a spike in so many different areas of life, because what COVID has done is it's given us pause. It's given us time at home. And for those people that are frustrated, they hate the lockdown, they're protesting the lockdown. For the other people that know that they can't control the lockdown, you can sit there and go, what am I super clear about in my life? Am I with the right person? Um, Am I in the right job? Do I want to start something? Do I want to make an impact? I've got the time. I'm at home. I can do this. I can start something small. And the clarity that I'm speaking about is for us to get into a scenario where, if you think about it, Karen, what other time in history can we have or have we ever had in the last 100 years that has given us pause to think about our life? I mean, if you think before 2020, it was just all systems go, 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 rush, 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 uh, more money, more money, more money, more debt, more debt, more debt, more more scenarios where we're stressed. It was just this never-ending growth cycle of, I guess, life. And a lot of people were sick and tired of that growth. So Mm. it ends up COVID has come around and it's given us pause and it's given us clarity. We've got friends um, that are divorcing. We've got friends that have found new love over COVID, right? I'm one of those. (laughs) We've got friends that are starting businesses. We've got friends that are ending businesses. So you get to a scenario where you go, this has given people an idea of what they want for themselves. Mm. And yeah, maybe the busyness before COVID, you weren't with the right person. Maybe you wanted to have a family. Maybe you didn't want to have a family. Like this has given pause for thought. And Mm. if there's a silver lining in COVID, it's the fact that a lot of people have gained clarity in their own lives about what they want. And I will say this one final thing um, that keeps coming up in my circles, Karen, which is that no other person can make you happy. You know, you marry someone or you date someone or you have a partner and, and, and it is not their purpose to make you happy. You're responsible for your own happiness. Yes. And a lot of people don't think that. They think that the, that, that other person, you are you're my partner, you are there to please me and I am there to please you and make you happy. It doesn't work like that. You've got to be the master of your own destiny. You're in a marriage, you're in a partnership, and you're great together, and your happiness complements each other. But if you're relying on somebody else to keep you or make you happy, then when that person goes, then your happiness goes with them. You know, It's like tying your self-worth to your bank account. When you've got money in the bank and you're partying, you feel great about yourself. When that money goes, for whatever reason, your self-worth goes with it. Because yeah. you've attached your self-worth to your bank account. So I guess what I'm alluding to is that we've got to start understanding that we're here to absorb self-reliance. We're here to, we're here to have clarity on who we are, the fact that we can do anything that we really want to do. The tools are out there. We live in a beautiful country with a ton of opportunity. Um, the only thing stopping you is perhaps a mindset. And if that's your only blockage, then, oh, my God, you've got a ton of resources at your fingertips that can maybe just tweak that mindset. not saying change it, but just tweak it just a little bit just to uncover that anything's possible if you really want it to be. And all of a sudden, you change. The scenarios change. The best saying that I've ever come across is Wayne Dyer in one of his books, he used to say, when you change the way you look at things, The things you look at change. And it is a great, it's not just an innocuous uh, saying, it's got a lot of depth to it, to the understanding of it. If you look at COVID as this big monster, it's going to be a monster. If you look at COVID as a catalyst, so the things you look at change, right? If you look at COVID as a catalyst for something bigger and better, but all of a sudden you're in the mindset where you start to achieve little miracles and little dreams and little resources, and little goals that come across your path that might never have come if your mindset didn't shift because now you're looking for them and they show up. Mm. So that's, for me, um, that's what keeps me humming along is that that COVID clarity ends up being a real, I don't know, I don't want to call it a masterpiece because it's a, it's a virus, but, but you think how else do we get pause in life? <laughs> how mm. else do we pause and reflect?
0: and it it is it's Mm. like again let's use a mouse wheel analogy when you're on the mouse wheel and you get up in the morning and you're on the seven o'clock bus to the city if you're a city worker and you get off the bus and you grab your coffee and you walk to the office and you start working at six o'clock you you don't Bundy off but you might get on the bus to go home and you might have some work in your hand to read on the way home and at seven o'clock when you get off the bus, you go home and you have dinner and then you might have more work to do. And then you get up again in the morning and that's what we've been mm. on. And that's a mm. that's a roller coaster. And you're right. It is a pause. I, I call this time sort of the time of limbo. And, you know, you have a bit of time to, uh, you know, I've certainly done a lot of thinking and a lot of planning and, yeah, you know, moving forward with the things that I feel my purpose i know are my purpose in life and every now and again a spanner gets thrown in it like a live event thing gets shut down but you stop mm. and you think and you start thinking okay if that live event is shut down what can i do in this time to make things better mm. how can i mm. how can i make those little tweaks along the way because mm. it's given you the time to pause
1: pause oh. and reflect and and have the realization that there are um there are amazing opportunities that are born from depressions, recessions, uh, uh, pandemics. It's whether we choose to look at those as opportunities or whether we choose to look at those as um, as threats.
0: So we have we want to talk about today um, corporations and preparing mm. for life after COVID. What what do mm-hmm. you do? what's your thoughts on that?
1: Listen, I think there's going to be a a. Um, I think we're going to see an emergence of conscious corporations Um, and it's going to be interesting because a lot of them will have their hands forced to consider well-being and wellness as integral parts of their business, whereas before they might not have thought of it in that way. Um, So I think there will be an emergence of those corporations. Some of the law firms that I'm dealing with right now, actually two of them, right, they have what they call well-being warriors, Within the business. So they train people in emotional first aid and, and to come to a scenario where you can talk to their people about what they're going through, especially lawyers that are going through a tough time. And I look at that and I ask the firm, have there been any people that have come forward and spoken to your wellbeing warriors? And the answer is almost always no. And you ask yourself, why is that? It's because it's staff that necessarily want to talk to their company about what's going on in their heads. You know, so for some, it's embarrassment. For some, it's none of their business. For some, it's looked at as a sign of weakness. It hurts career prospects for them. Um, there could be a hundred different reasons. There could be in denial. They might not even be understanding what they're going through, you know, the stress, the burnout. So if the way I see it working is there has to be an external collaborative partner that firms and conscious corporations can go, We're getting so we're getting Barry on board and because we believe that He's there for you to have a conversation with. And we're putting these three or four systems in place with Barry as well to help us from a collective point of view, not just from an individual point of view. So having an external someone, it's like talking to a stranger about a problem and that stranger is not invested. They're not family, they're not friends, and they're not going to judge you. But sometimes you don't want to go to family and talk about your problem. Sometimes you want to go to that person, that friend that you haven't spoke to in a few years or whatever it is. It's because you don't want the judgment. You don't want people to judge what you're going through. So for me, a lot of firms that are doing the right thing seemingly might actually be hurting themselves in the long run because the people that are there from a wellness point of view um, or even from an app, like there are apps out there in the wellness game that are huge, right? There are huge apps out there. But no offence, I don't want to go on my phone to get better. I want to talk to someone. You know what I mean? Like you cannot... You you can't offer wellness on the same device that's causing you anxiety.
0: Do do you know what I mean? (laughs) I had a conversation with um, someone this week and we were out walking. uh, And the whole fitness, you know, the Fitbits, I go, like, really? You know, does it matter if I walk 8,000 steps or 10,000 steps? It's like, just get out there and walk. Do we have to know that oh I reached ten thousand steps today? I am so anti that. Yeah, I am myself in my fitness if I'm not doing enough. And I I just think counting the steps is a load of hogwash. And the same as what you're talking about, having an app for your wellness is like really it's like calorie counting.
1: Well yeah, and it's it's like um, it's almost like the people that quit smoking, right? and that tell you they've been three days without a cigarette. And, like, if you had to tell me that, you're counting the days. Do you, yeah, 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 Do you know it, what I mean? You, you, if you go on cold turkey and you want to quit smoking, then do it. You don't have to tell me if it's been 72 hours, 48 hours, 24 hours. Just do it because the minute it's like you're losing weight, oh, I've lost 3.5 kilos or 3.6. They get very specific about the point, and you think, oh, you've lost 3.6 kilos. That's fantastic. If you're getting that specific, you're suffering in silence. <laughs> you know yes. what I mean. Yeah. So don't don't rely on a metric in, in that sense. Just do it, and you'll feel inside you the wellness come out. You know, you'll actually feel it as a your body will tell you how you feel. You don't need an app to tell you how you feel. Now, for big companies, I get it. You know, there's a thousand employees. You need an app. You can't you can't ask every person in the company uh, what they're going through, but. I think that an app is a very, for me, it feels insincere because everything comes then down to a metric and you think to yourself, is our life just that?
0: Can I tell so, you a um, story? Yeah. One of my girlfriends many, many years ago, I mean, she has a, a 17-year-old son now. She gave, gave up smoking two years before mm. he conceived her son. But I laugh about this all the time and I can't ever get this story out of my head. But she came home from work. I was working with her at the time and she rang me up this this afternoon. She came home from work and she walked into her house. Now, she'd given up smoking. She hadn't had a cigarette for three weeks. Mm -hmm. And she walked into her house and she was horrified. The house smelt like a smoker had been there. So for the first time... (laughs) Since she'd given up, it took three weeks for her sense of smell to be Come able back. to smell mm. what her house actually smelled
2: like. Wow.
0: You know what she did? She pulled what? all the curtains out of the house. Everything. She pulled all the rugs. Anything that she could move to wash, she took yeah. it out of the house. She wow. opened up all the windows. But I just laugh that You know, Mm. it took three weeks. She talked about you'll feel better after a period of time. It took three weeks for her sense of smell to actually catch up that she could smell a cigarette smoker. And for me, I, you know, I'm not a smoker and I haven't, well, I have smoked at different times in my life, maybe one cigarette a day. I was never Mm -hmm. a a chronic Mm -hmm. cigarette smoker. But Mm. when someone in the building I live in, there are a few smokers within the building. They don't smoke in the building. But if I get into the lift, I can smell if the mm. lift has had someone in it who's been a smoker.
2: Mm-hmm. They're not mm-hmm. in it at that
0: minute, but the smell mm. stays there. It's like, mm. and, you know, if you're a smoker, you don't smell that. But I'm getting onto to, like, mm. wellness. You know, your body starts mm. to be able to pick up on, on different things. And for smokers, mm. it's that have given up
1: but suddenly that ability to mm. smell. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, think, I think that um, when you make big changes like that, um, uh, you definitely see the error, or not the error of your ways, but you remember who you were yesterday. And because you're such a changed person, you're not, that's not you anymore. You, you see who you were with a lot of clarity. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's incredible.
0: Well look, it's really great to talk to you today, especially about anxiety. It is one of my um, pet topics, and I, I do mm. know a lot about anxiety and I talk very openly about having been a, a chronic sufferer of anxiety. So hence I do know mm. the difference between stress and anxiety. I know mm. just how harmful it is in your life. Just it robs you of time of energy. It robs your life. It's a thief. It's a silent thief. And yeah, so thanks today for helping us out. I, I know that and, and chatting. So thanks today for coming on and chatting about this. I'm um, I, no I know that you I know that you you do such great work with law firms and I know that you're mm. so passionate about what you do. So what I do know about you, Barry, is that you are one person takes the time to pick up the phone and just check on people mm. you're, a, mm. you're a wonderful human being and uh, thank you it's a, it's a privilege to know you and it's a privilege to see the way you work with other people and to um mm. to no, i know mm. that you're making a big difference
1: thank you very much karen it's uh, it's good you start uh you start hearing things like that and it and it, and it makes it all worthwhile
0: Well, I ask people on my podcast when I know that they can make a difference and Mm. I know that this podcast will make a difference to at least one person and it's also good for me to sit down and think as well, you know, this is an education process. Every day I go and do a podcast, Mm. I'm learning something new or being reminded of something that I may have known a little bit about but (laughs) I need to know more about. So, Barry Nicolau? thank you very very much much, for
1: joining us thank you for having me and as always anything you need karen or anything your listeners need i'm always here
0: so this is karen sander from the aging fearlessly podcast and we look forward to chatting with you again next time bye so this is it for today's program it's time to say cheerio to the wonderful northern beaches community Join me next week for another episode of Aging Fearlessly. And now for a song written by Nick Howard, especially for the listeners. This is Karen Sander. Have a fantastic week, and remember, aging is inevitable, and growing old is a choice. The sun is shining bright
2: outside. There's a sparkle in. Not on to find, it's a wonderful life. Let's go and climb mountains high, swim across the so-